Let me tell you a quick story about the time I was getting my tires. I was getting new tires. They weren't new tires. I'm, <laughs> I'm too cheap to do that. I was getting used tires. Did you know you can buy used tires? I didn't know this was a thing, but they're a lot less expensive than new tires. So I was at the used tire store getting new tires to me put on my car. And this is just a little small mom and pop shop. They didn't have a waiting room. And so I was standing outside with another guy and I'm trying to do a better job of not just immediately going to my phone and distracting myself. So I had my phone in my pocket, started a conversation with this guy who also happened to be an extrovert. So we were both really enjoying the moment. And his name was Toby. And Toby starts telling me his life story. And his life story, he's raised a Jehovah's Witness, where you may not know much about that. I, I lived next door to a Jehovah's Witness guy, and we talked all the time about the particulars of the different religions. And one of the big things about Jehovah's Witnesses is that they don't celebrate birthdays or Christmas. So imagine being a kid growing up in that, and you're like, hey, it's my birthday. Do I get gifts? No, you do not. <laughs> it's Christmas. How about now? Nope, no gifts. So I don't know if they just give gifts random times or if they don't do it. But the other big thing is that they don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Um, you may have some Jehovah's Witnesses in your life, and maybe they downplay that fact. Uh, but Toby was telling me a little bit about his upbringing. And I said, well, Toby, tell me a little bit about the biggest difference between you then and you now. Because he still was a believer. And he got so animated, so excited. He said, the biggest difference between growing up without understanding who Jesus was and me now is Jesus. He says, I have a real idea of who Jesus is, and it has changed everything. It gives me a future and a hope, and it makes me excited about life. And I think that's true. I think for a lot of people, the first thing to be attacked in their relationship with God is going to be Jesus. To try to take that hope, to try to take that life, to try to take that reality away and it was a great conversation. It was fun to learn about that, but it was so exciting to see someone who didn't know Jesus and now does, and the drastic difference that made in his life. Toby's right. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that the very image of Jesus exerts transforming power. And that's what this series has been about. We're talking about grace and truth. That's a line from John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14, where John says that we saw him and he was full of grace and truth. That's where we get that. So last week we talked about to hear Jesus clearly, or two weeks ago, to hear Jesus clearly. We don't always listen, but we should. And then last week we talked about follow Jesus closely, and we're just going to keep building on that. We ended last week with a verse out of the book of John, chapter 13, verse 7, and it's this. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Yeah, it seems like such a simple step, right? Seems like such a simple thing just to do it. I know it. Now I should do it. And evidently, we're doing all the things that we know, right? Because our lives are just perfect and we're following after Jesus perfectly. No, absolutely not. We know things that we aren't doing those things. And maybe some of you are thinking, you know, I like what Jesus said there. I do want to be blessed. I, I, I really do want to be happy, which is another way you can translate the word blessed. I really should do. And some of you are thinking, I will do. Those things that I know that I should do, I will do them. Right after this next phase of life. Just got to get through the next stretch and then I'm all about Jesus. I just got to get through. Work has been busy. There are some deadlines. Boss is breathing down my neck. But as soon as that's done, I am in due mode. And it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait. 
Or some of you are thinking, and maybe this feels a little pointed, but some of you are thinking, man, my kids are keeping me very busy. As soon as kids grow up a little bit, as soon as they get into the next phase of life, they're really young right now, but as soon as they're in high school, I'm sure things will slow down. I won't have as much going on, right? Because those of you with high schoolers, you know that life just slows way down, right? No, not at all. Or maybe when they leave home, finally when they leave home, then that's when I'll be able to do the things that I know that I should do. Then I'll really focus on Jesus. Those of you that have kids in high school, it's crazy. Some of you have your kids in like 15 extracurriculars. You signed up to bring cupcakes to every home game. Why did you do that? You already had too much on your plate, but you just can't say no. And you're thinking, I'll just get through this stretch and then I'll do. Are we good friends in the room? There will always be a reason. Your kids can be grown and gone and have moved thousands of miles away and you will still come up with a reason. There will always be an excuse. There will always be a problem. There will always be an issue. There will always be something. Jesus didn't say, yeah, once you get through the tough things in life, he said no. In fact, this is kind of a crazy story. And if you want to fact check me, feel free. But in John chapter 9, or excuse me, in Luke chapter 9, there was a gentleman that came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, I want to follow you. And Jesus, great, that's awesome. And right after I bury my dad. And we don't know any details of the story. We just know the excuse that this gentleman offered to Jesus. And Jesus, being full of grace and truth, told this gentleman, ah, it's totally fine. I get it. That's tough to lose a parent. That's really hard. You go take care of all those details that you need to take care of. You go work through everything. You go talk to the funeral home. You get the casket picked out. You deal with all the family members. You work through the estate and your father's will. You do all that. And then when you're done with that, come follow me. You know what Jesus said to that man who said, I'll follow you right after I bury my father? Jesus, full of grace and truth, said, let the dead bury the dead. You follow me. That's heavy. That's heavy. Some of you are offended at Jesus right now. Actually, you're offended at me, but I didn't say it. Jesus said it. Let the dead bury their dead. You follow me. There will always, always, always be a reason not to. So let's ask this question. How do we do? What will make us do the things that we need to do when there are so many excuses, so many reasons not to do? Just like John chapter 13, verse 17 says, what will make us do those things? So I want to dig into a story in the Gospel of John. I love how John portrays the situation. John, Jesus has the 12 gathered around. It's just the 12. Sometimes there's big crowds, but he's gotten them in a little room. They're around a dinner table. Jesus is about to have a big conversation with them. John chapter 14, verse 21. This is that meal where Jesus ended up washing their feet. So this is the conversation that is part of that meal. John 14, 21, verse 23, and through 23. Whoever has my commands and keeps them, and I kind of like that Jesus added that just because some of us were thinking, yeah, I know what Jesus says to do. And Jesus is like, no, you got to do the things I'm saying. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. That's pretty interesting. The one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love them and show myself to them. Verse 22, then Judas, not Judas Iscariot. Now, by the way, how annoyed did Judas not Iscariot have to be 
at Judas. How annoyed did he constantly have to be every time he was introducing himself? Yeah, my name's Judas. And people were like, oh, Judas. No, I'm Judas, not Iscariot. I wonder if he went by his, uh, his, his nickname. Just, go, just call me Jude. But how annoying would that be? But Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, but Lord, wait, why do you intend to show the reality of yourself to us and not to the world? Now think about what he's asking. He's saying, we have seen a glimpse of who you truly are, just like we're talking about this series. We've got to get rid of all that baggage that we have of who Jesus is. Some of you were raised in environments where you were introduced to a Jesus that's not really portrayed in the Gospels. You were introduced to a type of Jesus that's not really who he is. And part of the process of growing in Christ-likeness is to lose those false images of Jesus and to understand who he truly is. And uh, Judas, not Iscariot, is saying, you've shown yourself to us. Why don't you show yourself to the world? Why don't you just have a big reveal party? Why don't you have just a big, you know, just spectacle? It's kind of like those uh, gender reveal parties that get more and more wild. You know what I'm talking about? You've seen videos. I saw one the other day where it was fireworks and the thing fell over and shot the fireworks into the crowd. This isn't this picture. I'll talk about this picture in a second. But it was hilarious watching this video because these fireworks were being shot into this crowd and there's this shaky video and these pink explosions and people are yelling, it's a girl, but it's terrified and they're running away and it, it was amazing. This picture is actually a still from a video that I wish I could show you, but I don't, I didn't make the video. I didn't, I don't know. I didn't want to. This is from 2012. San Diego City Fireworks, 4th of July Fireworks Show, there was some glitch and all 7,000 fireworks went off at once. People in the crowd were like both excited and terrified and it was just 30 seconds, this spectacle. And I think it's the greatest fireworks show ever. I would actually much prefer that. But 30 seconds, 7,000 fireworks. And Judas, not Iscariot, is saying, why don't you do that? Do that. You've shown yourself to us. Why don't you do that for the world? People would come flocking from every corner. Why don't you do that? That would be awesome. And Jesus' response is pretty interesting. Verse 23, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me, if you love me, you will obey my teaching." Now, that sounds uncomfortable. There's a tension there, and we're going to explore that. But I I want you, if you're reading that verse or hearing me say it and saying, love and obey, that sounds a little dissonant. That sounds like fingernails on a chalkboard. I get it. That absolutely does. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. I will reveal myself to those that are interested, to those that love me, to those that follow me, to those that do. Verse 24, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching, stands to reason. And he says this, these words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Now think about that idea. If you love me, you'll obey me. If you love me, you'll obey me. Obey is a potent word. Being called bossy is not a compliment. Some of you may think it is, but it's not. We, um, I've done lots of weddings in my life, and we often in our wedding vows still use words from the 16th century book, uh, guidebook of common prayer. 
But there is a phrase that we no longer use out of that. We still use things like to have and to hold for better or worse and sickness and in health. We still use all those phrases. But does anybody know one phrase that we have stopped using over the last 50 or so years? Obey. I have done lots of weddings and never once have I said to the bride, repeat after me, and had part of the vows have the word obey. Maybe some of you in your weddings had that. I've never had that happen. Why? Because that doesn't describe the dynamic that people are entering into in a, in a marriage relationship, in a romantic, loving uh, marriage relationship. That sounds like a boss and inferior. It just doesn't, doesn't feel like it fits because of our ideas of what obey means. This is true. I read this week that even in the military, there's conversations about the language about how they get soldiers to do what their superior officers are saying. They're talking about dull compliance versus understanding initiative, but they've started to move away from the word obey. Isn't that interesting? Uh, my wife, Corrine, works in an office, and uh, in the office, there's a hearing-impaired gentleman who knows sign language. That will be relevant in here in just a second. Most of the time, she's in the office working, but every once in a while, she gets sent out into the field to drive a vehicle somewhere. And if you've ever driven somewhere, you are aware that there are other drivers on the road that want you to obey them for whatever reason. They, have you ever pulled to a four-way stop and that person over there is ahead of you and they wave you on? And it's so annoying. You're like, just follow the laws of the land. But they're like, like directing traffic from their car. You're like, I don't, what are you doing? But anyway, in this case, my wife is in a parking lot. There is a pedestrian in the parking lot. There is a person, pedestrians walking toward oncoming traffic. There is a person coming toward the pedestrian. So this person in the car swerves out of the way into the way of my wife. Now they are playing chicken. Instead of waiting, this person is now going straight at her. And I don't know if you know Corrine, but she's really not one to back down from a challenge. <laughs> She will wreck a company car if that's what it takes to prove a point. And as this person's coming along and she's kind of having to hug the shoulder a little bit, the person from the other car is miming loudly, slow down. And Corrine is telling me this story and she's like, so annoying. Who does this guy think he is trying to boss everybody around? What does he, th you know, does he own the road? You know, she's getting excited, getting worked up. But this is my favorite part. She said, I drove back to work and I talked to my hearing impaired coworker and I said, hey, teach me how to sign the sign language for mind your own business. So that next time she's in that situation. <laughs> Do you know what it is? Oh yeah, she does. See, yeah, she can teach you. Yep, that's filed away. I think I'm gonna be seeing that symbol in the future. I heard one minister put it this way. Um, Many of us have been in therapy, uh, and more of you probably should be in therapy, but you talk to a therapist, you talk to a counselor, you talk to an advisor, you talk to a life coach, and you listen to their advice all day. You listen to their counsel, you listen to their wisdom. But as you lay on that couch, or as you sit in that chair, and as you take in that information, you are still the authority in your life. You are still the decider. You decide what good advice you take and what good advice you ignore. You're the decider. You're in control. You're the king of your little kingdom. You can ignore what the doctor says, and many of you do. Your doctor says, need to eat less sodium, and that's sodium, McDonald's. You eat McDonald's on the way home from the doctor. That's how ridiculous humans are. We are the king of our kingdom. But here's the thing, and this is so important. 
this is, this is one of those things that it's, it's very simple, but we have to file it away. Our obedience is the best evidence that we see Jesus clearly. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. Our obedience, because I know we're like, obedience, mm -mm -mm. I am the one, and I'm the master of my own domain. I am the commander of my fate. What's that poem? I'm the one who gets to decide. I'm the one who figures out what my life is about. But I think that means that we haven't seen Jesus clearly. As followers of Jesus, we're still treating him as a financial advisor. Listen, Jesus is not a therapist. Jesus is not a life coach. Jesus is not a financial advisor. That's not who he is. And if that's how we're treating him, then we do not have a clear picture of the Son of God. He's none of those things. John 13, 13 says, Jesus says this. This is that same meal, by the way, just a little bit before we read what we read. He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. The NIV here in this translation softens it a little bit. Out of the 60 or so times the word teacher is translated in the New Testament, about 50 of them, are, it's translated the word master. And so Jesus, to his disciples, are saying, you have called me master and Lord, and rightly so, for that is who I am. That's the reality of Jesus. That's the picture of Jesus that we're searching for. That's the idea of Jesus that we need to deconstruct and reconstruct the reality of who he truly is. Because obedience is the evidence that I recognize Jesus for who he is. My son Liam, this has been a little while back, he was in the front yard with the back end of a hammer, the claw end of a hammer, and he was digging a hole with the claw into the hammer. And I walk out there. I don't really want him digging a hole in my front yard. But I, I don't want to, like, just shut the whole thing down because I need to know what's going on. You know, what's, are you putting in a sprinkler system? I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and, of course, he invites me to come see. I'm not really thrilled about this, but I want to be supportive. So I go out there. He's got this little hole. And I said, so what's the hole for? And he goes, it's for treasure. All right. It's great. Now, I'm thinking, I don't want a hole in my yard, and I also don't want to run over whatever treasure. And so, like, what are you, put, what are you filling the hole? What's your treasure? Well, he's also got a big bucket of nails that he's about to dump in this hole. And I can just imagine the excitement that would create in the neighborhood as I drive over that with my lawnmower and send nails flying everywhere. And so I say, I, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm interacting with him, and I'm like, hey, buddy, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that's a good idea. I'm doing my normal Patrick approach to these things. I'm not, I'm, I don't think that's a good idea, buddy. And he looks up at me, right in the eyes, very matter-of-factly, matter looks up at me and he goes, it's fine. <laughs> oh, it is, huh? You and all your experience, it's fine. I want you to see Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 18 with me. This is where Paul describes the reality of Jesus. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth, things that you can see and things that you can't, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything... He might have supremacy. And we look up at him and we are like, it's fine, Jesus. I'm just going to keep doing my thing. 
I'm just going to live my way. It's fine. I got this. Oh, do you? (laughs) Do you got this? Jesus, Lord of creation, says, follow me. He says, put the kingdom first. He says, forgive as I have forgiven you. And we're like, I'll get back to you. I'll let you know what I think. We'll check in in a week or so, and we'll talk about it. What? We must not be seeing Jesus for who he really is. Who he is defines who I am. And if that's true, and this is true, then when he says you should do this, guess what? We should do that. Is Jesus trying to to gather his own power, trying to amass his own way and his own will? Is he trying to control us for his purposes? Or is he a loving and benevolent son of God that wants our good? You know that verse that we just read where he said, you call me teacher and Lord, you call me master and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Do you know, as he said those words, he was on his knees in front of his disciples, washing their feet. That's what he was doing when he said those words. That is what I am. I have washed your feet. You know what you should go do? You should go do that as well. Because if I'm going to do those kinds of things, that's the kind of leader I am. That's the kind of son of God that I am. I have, I've wrestled with taking the steering wheel away from Jesus several times in my life where Jesus said, this is the road I want you to go down. We talked about this last week. This is the trail I want you to go down. This is the path I want you to go down. And there's been times where I've decided I'm going to do my own thing, take a sharp left turn, and I've always ended up in the ditch. It's never been good. When I try to grab the steering wheel, good things don't happen. When I let go and I say, Jesus, <laughs> take the wheel, right? Carry Underwood. Good things happen. Life is better when I let Jesus tell me where my life should go and what paths I should take and the kinds of things that I should do. You know, blessed are you if you do. Blessed are you if you do. We're, we have so much that we could talk about, so much that we could dig into, so much that I couldn't get into this morning, and we're going we're gonna to talk about it more next week. But this is, this is where we want to end. This is where we want to land, is this. We have to hear Jesus clearly, and I think we do that. I think we listen to Jesus a lot. But we have to follow Jesus closely. But I think that we have to come to a place in our lives where we have to obey Jesus completely that's what he's asking for us. And I get, I totally get that some of you may not be there yet. And that's all right. It's okay to explore. It's okay to wonder. But you know, it's not okay to just hear Jesus and just to think you're following Jesus, but to never really, truly obey Jesus. If you need time to explore, wonderful. If you need people to talk to about like, yeah, let's, let's work out some of the details. Help me understand. Wonderful. I get all that. But at some point in your life, Jesus has to be Lord of everything. And when he says, do this, we say, yeah, because I know you have the best in mind for me. I believe that because I have a clear picture of Jesus full of grace and truth. We're going to sing a song in closing. I'm going to invite the praise team back up on stage here. As we sing, all the songs that we sing often direct our thoughts and our attention to Jesus. 
or in theory, they should. But I don't know that we always think about the things we're saying. <laughs> you know, I, I do it too. Sometimes I'm like, oh, something sounds wrong, or that's not good, or that's too loud. And I don't stop and think about like, oh, I'm singing this song that says, I want Lord, I want you to reign in my life. Because we're going to hear this, and maybe there's just even a little piece of our hearts, a little piece of our mind that's like, yeah, you know, there are some things I should be doing. And then we're going to walk out of here and just kind of do our own thing. Back to the Jesus therapist, Jesus life coach, Jesus financial advisor. That's not who he is. That's not who he wants to be. Jesus wants good for your life. I believe that. You may not be there yet, but I believe that. We can talk about that. But at some point, we've got to let go and let him have control. And that can be hard. That can be hard. You know how hard it is to let somebody else have the remote? You know how hard it is if you've been driving for 20 years to sit in the passenger seat? Maybe have your daughter learn how to drive with a permit. That's very hard to do, to be sitting there flexing every muscle in your body. And I think we might feel like that with Jesus as we let go of these things in our lives that we so want to control. But I've driven into the ditch too many times to think that I'm very good at this. I need to let go and let Jesus, I hate to say it, take the wheel. I need that, and so do you.